Amen, amen. You can go and have a seat and good morning. Man, welcome to Harvest, and whether this is your first time here, and I know that that's true for a lot of you in the room this morning, whether you're joining us in person or online, you've been here for a while, you are family here, and we are so, so thankful for you, and praise God for all that He is doing in, in and through our midst. We're going to begin a new series today in the book of Hebrews, and so if you want to get a head start there, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 and 11 today, but really from now, throughout the rest of the summer, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. And so if you don't have a copy of God's Word for, with you, we would love to give one to you. It's our gift to you. There's one in the back. Um, we would love, nothing will give us more greater joy than for you to take God's Word, read it, own it, and really live by it. I hope you guys had a good Easter, you and your family. Everybody have a good Easter. Yeah, praise God that we got this. We did here at Harvest, and thank you so much for everybody that served so faithfully, from whether you were in the choir to providing flowers to doing balloon decorations to providing refreshments or doing the grounds work. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and God is using you in big ways. And man, what a great story Easter is, right? But I got good news for you. The tomb is still empty, Jesus is still risen, and he is still reigning. Amen? Amen. And so today, you might be like, what comes after Easter? Well, I'm glad you're here. Tommy, that's a great question. Thanks for asking that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to look at today and through the next several weeks in the book of, of, of Hebrews, the reality that the faith is not just an intellectual decision, but it's a commitment to a life of action. That we need to live out our faith, that faith, we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Today we begin our new series called Step Out. It is an exhortation. It is an encouragement. Embracing a life of kingdom advancing faith. We're going to see from the heart of God and the word of God what God would have for us in and through our lives. We're going to see from the testimony of the saints that have gone before us about what it looks like to live out the faith that Jesus has so graciously given us and purchased for us. The reality that faith is the convictions of our heart that, that, that drive the actions and the decisions of our life. Faith is not just a one-time thing, but it's an everyday thing. Faith is a posture of our heart of humility that comes before Jesus with an unshakable confidence in the superiority of Jesus and an unending commitment to live out the mission of Jesus, no matter the circumstances, no matter the cost. It's an individual decision. We're going to see this throughout the series, today and throughout the series. But it is to be lived out together in biblical community. And I mean the reality that your family here I would love to meet you after the service. I would love to spend some time with Pastor Andrew with you in step one after this service to get to know you a little bit better, for you to ask questions about what God is doing in this family of here. We are a family of families, and I mean it with every ounce of my being that you are family here, even if this is the first time you step foot in here. This text in this series is both meant to be an encouragement and an exhortation for us to live lives where faith is not just something we talk about, but it's something we live out. That's Jesus' calling for us. And the question that will be on our lips and in our hearts, and not just what we are saying from the, the pulpit, but really what God is asking you today is what is your next step? We're all on a journey of faith. Anybody arrived yet? No, I'm not like Jesus yet completely. And maybe you are. Well, you would be the first this side of eternity. But none of us have arrived yet. We all have a next step of faith to take. And that is different for each and every one of us, but the calling is the same for each of us. So the question today is to, to open our hearts, to open our minds, and literally to open our hands and go, God, what would you have me do? 
and then guess what? To actually do it. To work out our faith. We're not saved by works, but we are called to work. What does that look like for you? Because this is the church that God is building here at Harvest. That he has sent us on a mission to take the baton from him. And he looked at us in John 20, 21. On the night that he ascended from the grave, he met his disciples and said, as the father sent me, so I what? Send who? You. And don't be looking around going, he sent you, not me. No, he sent all of us. There is an opportunity and a responsibility to live out the mission that God has so graciously given us. Are you doing that? And sometimes stepping out means staying when you want to go. Sometimes stepping out means going when you want to stay. Sometimes stepping out means going without definition or giving without, well, how do I, God, you're calling me to give this, but I don't see it in the bank, but I'm going to give it. I'm going to trust because that's faith, right, that you're going to provide. Sometimes stepping out is standing on God's word when it costs you your job or a relationship. Sometimes stepping out is getting out of a relationship that you know is not honoring to God. No matter the cost, no matter the circumstance, out of a heart of worship, worship means I elevate Jesus over all and I follow Jesus in all. That's our calling because our mission is to make disciples. It's not to see converts, it's to make disciples. And what is part of disciple making? Go therefore into what? All the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what? All of the commands that I have given you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A heart of faith, a life of faith is obeying all of Jesus' commands, no matter the earthly cost, because he is worthy of it all, right? That's faith. So what is your next step? And friends, I want to encourage you that God wants to work in you and he wants to work through you in ways far greater than you can ever hope or imagine. Ephesians 3 talks about that reality. And he is inviting you and he is commanding you to live on his mission. It's not optional. For those of us who are believers in the Lord, it is a matter of obedience. But it's also a beautiful invitation to the most impactful, eternity-altering, life-transforming, community-changing journey and impact that you will ever have, far greater than any ROI in your bank account for any investment that you have ever made. He's offering you a front row seat to have a part to see lives changed forever through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and see your life continue to be changed more like Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Is that worth it? Is that worth giving your life for? Yeah. The question is not, is it worth it? It is, but will you do it? That's the challenge of this series to get off the throne and allow God to come on in every nook and every cranny to surrender our hearts and our lives and then walk out in steps of faith. Not worried about what the world says, but submitting our hearts to what God's word says out of a heart of worship. The big idea from today that you'll see on the screen right here is this. It's in your notes. A surrendered heart to Jesus Christ is marked by a life of stepping out in faith for Jesus Christ. A surrendered heart, a one of obedience, a one saying, Jesus, your Lord, is marked by a life of stepping out in faith. Surrender literally means I'm giving up control. How many of us need to give up control in an area today? Stepping out means movement. It means action. It means not staying stagnant. Where is God calling you to step out in faith today over the next several days, weeks, months, years, the rest of your life to come? 
Because when you take the next step of faith, does it stop there? Nope, there's another one to come. He's growing you and maturing you because he wants to work in you and through you in ways that will blow your mind. This is who we are at Harvest because this is who Jesus planted us and calls us to be and we will give our lives for it. We're going and we're growing. Come with us and watch God work in you in ways that you can't even imagine. Father, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just love you. And I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds these next few moments to hear from you, Holy Spirit, to silence our words. Whatever brought us in this room, whether we are passing through, visiting, searching, looking, departing, God, whatever brings us here, you want to meet with us here in this moment, Jesus. And I pray that we would remove any obstacles from our hearts and our minds and distractions and that you would speak, we would listen, and that we would obey. Jesus, thank you for the cross, as we'll see in the text today. Thank you for your love for us. Help us to be doers of the word. And Holy Spirit, do what your words you promised to do in earlier in the book of Hebrews 4. Open our hearts, penetrate our hearts. Encourage us and exhort us with your word, which is sharper than a two-edged sword. Convict us and compel us. Lead us to become more like you. We love you, Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God has a word for every single one of us in this room today. Will you listen? And then will you obey? And you're amongst family. You're not doing this alone. It is an individual decision, but we are with you every single step of the way on the highest of highs and in the lowest of lows. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going we're to take each week and we're going to jump off from Hebrews 11 about what, God sa- what God's word says and, and examine the characters listed here. But to understand what God is doing here, we need to understand the context of what the, the author is saying here. So we're going to dive back into Hebrews 10. We're going to v- go back and forth between Hebrews 10 and 11 a little bit today. So starting in verse 19, Hebrews chapter 10. This is the word of the Lord. And therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawn near. Hop down to verse 32 for time's sake. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened and you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For here's a quote from Habakkuk 2, yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by what? Faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls, preserve their souls. 
Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. What a text. What a promise. And you see the story of Easter here, and then you see the life after Easter that God is calling us to in this text. So what a perfect time to dive into this text. Now at Harvest, we, 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 what's really, really important to us is a couple different things. First and foremost, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about our elders. It's not about our staff. It's not even, I love you. I love you. I'll give my life for you, even if I literally would. But it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's about his word. We stand on the word of God. We want to obey the word of God. We want to understand the word of God and we want to live out the word of God. It is God's absolute truth. And so to understand it and better understand how it's, what the, the purpose is and to best apply it, we need to understand it contextually. It's really important to understand the original author's intent and who it's being written to, to understand it clearly, apply it accurately and obey it wholeheartedly. And so that's why context is really important. Hebrews 10 and 11 are intricately connected it's beautiful and it's powerful. And so it's a, a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews. We actually don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, many of us have a hypothesis. I have a hypothesis. And if you want to talk to me about it afterwards, I'm happy to, to share it with you. You might have a different hypothesis. Okay. But while we don't know the human writer, we know the divine author, the Holy Spirit. And so we follow. It's a vitally important book of the Bible, and it's most, it's most likely written to Jewish Christians, hence the name Hebrews. And he's not talking about who makes the coffee. Some of you will get that later. <laughs> the consistent melody, if you would, the line, the theme throughout the entire book of Hebrews is Jesus' superiority and his perseverance. And then what we should do with that. How that should leave a, lead us to lives of pure surrender and persevering and enduring in faith. One of the main goals of the book of, of the author of Hebrews is to teach us how to read the Old Testament correctly. And that is to read the Old Testament Christologically and Christocentrically. What that means is the Old Testament is all about Jesus. The theme of the entire Bible is God's mission to save us and to redeem us. The Old Testament looks forward to Jesus. The New Testament in our lives now will look back upon Jesus. Everything is centered around Jesus. And so when we read the Old Testament, we need to read it with the gospel in mind and look forward to it. That's why I love the gospel center curriculum that we have for our kids, the gospel project. And may you read and look at, your, uh, at the Bible this way and learn to live this way. That Jesus needs to be the hub of your life, not just another spoke. Like, I got my thing in Jesus or church. If you, if you work out, you can, you can one of them thing, but I'm at the center. No, Jesus needs to be the center upon which every other spoke comes. My decisions, my finances, my job, my spouse, my relationships, how I parent, how I live, my priorities, my time. Is that you today? So Jesus is asking us, and I'm challenging you to open your hearts, to open your hands, to open your minds, to open your life literally today to whatever Jesus would have you do. And I think he might surprise you. And then to respond accordingly. That's the journey of on, we're on. That's what faith is all about. That he is master and we're not. So over the next several, several weeks, we're going to, if you read Hebrews 11, you see that there are 19 times where it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then it lists a character. So we're going to take each one of those by faith and we're going to look at it. 
And then we're going to look back to the Old Testament saints who it's talking about and how they demonstrated active ongoing faith in their life to be inspired by that and to learn from that. And then we're going to look forward to how God would have that apply us to our lives today. How, God, are you asking us to apply this principle of faith into the practical of our lives every day? Because while you might not have the same situation as Cain or Rahab or Moses, you have a situation where that faith principle will lead you to determine how you are to live your practical. Make sense? That's what we're looking to do in this series. So we're going to go back into the Old Testament a little bit week by week and have a little bit of an Old Testament survey as we anchor in Hebrews chapter 11. And again, we're going to see people who were called to give when they didn't have anything to give. We're going to see people to go, go without any detail, stay when they didn't want to stay, leave your family and have a whole new life, face opposition, stand for what is true when the penalty was prison and you got undeserved treatment. Stand for God when there's a wall of water in front of you and an army closing in behind you and a bunch of complaining people standing right in front of you. What are you going to do? You're going to stand firm or are you going to be what verse 39 tells us as chapter 10 not to be? Shrink back. That's the dichotomy in today. Are you going to shrink back from the faith and capitulate and live to the culture and the world or are you going to stand firm on God's word? And may we harvest be this church that verse 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back. Where in your life right now are you shrinking back in faith? Because of a myriad of potential reasons. Because of the cost, because this is scary, and we'll look at these more later. But where in your life are you shrinking back right now that you need to stand firm on what you know in your heart of hearts God is calling you to do and to be? It's not too late to do the right thing. God is the God of second chances, power of the second decision. Or where have you been hesitating or delaying obeying or excusing or rationalizing why you aren't obeying, where you need to step out in faith today to start obeying? Here's a definition, a working definition, if you would, of biblical faith that I think will be helpful for us on this journey. You'll see it on the screen. The biblical faith is a confident belief in Jesus Christ that produces enduring obedience to God in order to advance the kingdom of God, no matter our earthly circumstances or consequences. It's a belief in the superiority and the finality and the authenticity of Jesus Christ, that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, that then drives us to live with enduring obedience. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I will look to God and I will obey God. And my heart is to advance the kingdom of God. May we live with such faith today. Big decisions, small decisions. Because it all anchors out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. When you go back to that where we started in this text, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's Easter. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain when he was hanging, when we celebrated Good Friday and Jesus was on the cross, the curtain was torn in two, opening the opportunity for a personal, restored relationship with God our Father by his grace through our faith, but it calls us to a new way of life, right? Right there in the text, verse 20, by the new living way. There's a new way we are now to live that isn't me-centric, it's Christ-centric. 
It's not the way of the world. It's the way of God's word. And then look at the superiority piece. Verse 21, since we have a great high priest, what's the next word in the text? Over the house of God. Not just a part of the house of God, but what? Over. He is superior. He reigns. He is the boss. He is above. And we are not. So because Jesus is supreme, because he's superior, we are now to live with these convictions in our life. And we're going to see from the text that what flows and continues to flow from chapter 10 and verses 22 through 25 are three different exhortations that should lead to our daily application. Well, every time in the text in 22, and it's three times that you see the words, let us, that's an exhortation from the author of how we are to live. And that's connected to what we are going to see in the first couple of verses of Hebrews chapter 11. So these exhortations of God's word must be the applications of our life. All flowing from Jesus' finished work on the cross in 19 and 20, and then his superiority over the church, which is, by the way, you and me. The church are people. It's not a place. It's a, per- it's a people gathered for a purpose, to accomplish it God's way. So that's where we're going. And may we not be those who shrink back, but may we be those who step out. So three different convictions that should lead to actions in our life of faith. The first is this, because Jesus is supreme over all, as we see in verses 19, 20, 21, he's supreme over death, he's supreme over his church, he is the supreme over your heart. Because he is, this is my conviction that leads to this action. The first conviction is I will anchor my hope in the promises of God. So when you look with me at chapter or 10, verse 23, it says, let us hold fast the confession of what? Our hope without wavering for he who promised is what? Faithful. I can anchor my hope in the character of God and the word of God because he promises and it's faithful. And everything God promises, 2 Corinthians 1 teaches us, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we see a vivid demonstration of that in verses 19 through 21 of chapter 10, that God promised the Messiah and Jesus is the Messiah. Now, when we talk about hope, and we see hope is also here in chapter chapter 11, verse one, where the author continues, now faith is the assurance of things to what? Hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The word assurance in chapter 11, verse one is confidence which ties back into verse 19 of chapter 10, which says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, so our confidence is in who? Christ. It's in the promises of God, not the circumstances of life. Our, our circumstances are going to come and go. They're going to change to and fro. But Jesus stays the same, and God's word stands. Amen. Praise God. So let's anchor our hope in the one who is faithful. Now, hope here is not whimsical, like, I hope the weather is good, or I hope my team wins, because as a Washington football fan, that never happens. Although, we got a new owner coming. Hope is here, right? But that's the whimsical hope, not the confident, bet my life, anchor my decisions in, Christological hope that says, Jesus is the answer to every question that I have. Where are you anchoring your life? I love what the author of Hebrews says about hope earlier in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 6, 19 through 20. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast, what? 
anchor of our soul. You need some anchoring for hope this morning. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. We see that's a reference back to what Jesus did again in 19, 20, 21 of chapter 10, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Praise God. So many of you are, I don't even know the details. I just know this reality. Many of you are walking through a storm right now. What are you anchoring your hope in? The sure and steadfast promises of God, the sure and steadfast character of God, the sure and steadfast finished work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Or are you anchoring your hope in, well, if my job comes through, then life will be great. If I get my orders, that'll be great. If I get the promotion, that'll be great. If I get the new girlfriend or boyfriend, then my life will be good, right? But what happens when dot, dot, dot doesn't happen or then it does happen, but then the bottom falls out? Where's your hope? Faith is not an independent source of power for us, friends, but it tethers us directly to God who is the source of power. How many times you're like, I got a great iPhone or I got a great whatever else you other folks use. (laughs) But what happens when it runs out of power is it's just a heavy, expensive paperweight, right? You got to plug it into the power source to have its usefulness. The same thing with us. We need to plug into the power source who is God through our faith, through prayer, through his work. My faith is anchored in the character of God because God, Jesus fulfills all the promises of God. Jesus is faithful to my life, and so my life must be faithful to Jesus. When you look at 1023, we understand this reality. Faithfulness is not just something God does, but faithful is who God is. He can never not be faithful. Praise God. Amen. So today, are you anchoring your hope and determining whether you will or will not live in biblical faith or take this action or not action based on God's promises or your circumstances? Are you anchoring your hope in God's promises or your personal preferences? What's driving your decisions? God promises to sanctify you, not to pacify you. He wants you to become more like himself. And he will allow you to go through things that are hard on this earth as a pruning, refining mechanism to make us more like himself. Praise him, right? But that gets to our inner desire. Where is our hope anchored? In Jesus? In the character of God? What is our desire anchored? I want this, but now I don't have this, so I don't have hope. But if this is anything short of Jesus... We're going to be left disappointed and headed towards destruction. Like that's what verse 39 of chapter 10 says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Have you shrunk back your hope from a biblical perspective and are placing it in human things because it will end up in destruction? Today, are you evaluating the gospel opportunities in front of you from a biblical perspective? Or are you looking at it from a human career advancing perspective? or a personal fleshly desire. I, I need to have a significant other. Therefore, I'm going to compromise on what God's word says I should look for in a significant other. Or I'm going to do things physically with them that are not biblical because I think they will leave me if I don't. We need to obey God's word no matter what, the circumstance or the consequence. There's a myriad of those examples. Is your response to God, the Holy Spirit's leading, wholehearted obedience? Or is your obedience willingness anchored in your personal preference? If it helps you accomplish your goals, then you'll obey. If it doesn't, then you won't. 
and be really, 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 really real with yourself and be really, 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 really real with God? Are you hoarding your resources or are you investing your resources to advance God's kingdom, your time, your talent, your money? Well, if I, if I, if I tithe, then how am I going to have money to work on my car or do this? Well, what's more important to you? That's a revelation of your priorities and your worship. If God's calling me to give this, but I, if I give this, I don't have anything else. God's calling you to a position of dependency. I don't, if, if I do this, I don't know that I can stand, I can endure. Like the whole heart of this text is enduring faith because these, they were facing persecution. Go back and reread verses 32 through 39. They were facing difficulty, reproach because of their faith and the call wasn't step back, it was stand firm. Because Jesus stood firm in the face of persecution and he got uncomfortable for you and he gave everything for you. So will you give everything to him? Are you shrinking back? Are you stepping out? Where in your life or what promises of God have you shrunk back from that today you need to hold fast to? God's love for you, the fact that he's with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you, the fact that he is always working for his best. But it doesn't feel like my best. He doesn't owe you an explanation. He's supreme, you're not. What other promises do you need to hold fast to today? Because it drives our actions. Sometimes we shrink back because we're worried about the cost or if we can endure, God will give you the power, he will give you the resources, everything you need to accomplish his purposes. The fear of man. I just don't want to. Well, who's the subject of that? You or God? God is getting at the idols in your heart, the comfort, the convenience, the preference, the job title, financial amount in your bank account, your family. Because he wants all of you, because he knows that he is best for you. There was, about eight years ago, a group of people took a journey. A group of very diverse people. A journey to plant this church. We launched out a mission church in, in Lancaster and so thankful that some of our friends from Mission could join us today. And in the summer of 2015, we had a core group and it was full of everyday people that God called to do an extraordinary thing, plant and start a new church. And so at our culmination in July to, to raise tens of thousands of dollars to have the money to get a trailer and the equipment and to rent space and to do all the things that you need to do in planting a church, we had a campaign called Stepping Out and we had a commitment time. And during that commitment time, you'll see a picture on the screen behind me. But we had people take rocks. It was based out of Joshua 4. And write a promise of God as they committed to give very, very generous sums of money, time, talent, energy to plant a church to see lives change for the gospel and the kingdom of God. And we put these rocks in this picture of the cross. And this is what this is. It's, it's a memorial of God's faithfulness. It's a memorial of a biblical community coming together to commit to build something that would last and be far greater and bigger than themselves, to trust God in a supernatural way, to step out in faith. 
and praise God for that. But those rocks symbolize promises of God. They literally have the promises of God written on them. And they are the anchor of our hope, the anchor of this church, literally. The shoulders of those that we all stand on today, because I can look around this room and I can literally probably see maybe two, three, four people that were there at that time. And while people have moved all over the country and the world, and we have the privilege of sending folks out at the end of the service today, this is what we do. We launch people all across the country and the world to make disciples. The mission continues. The call continues. Because of these folks' faith, hundreds literally of people have heard the name of Jesus and been impacted forever by the power of God. They gave money they didn't think they had. They gave time that they had to stop doing other stuff. Now, was it worth it? Carlos, was it worth it? Emily? Amen. They did it for people that they didn't even know because they knew God. And they felt called and committed. And God's done it before. He's calling us to do it again. I don't know what he's preparing our church for. I just know he's preparing us for something. And we need to open our hearts right now because he's calling us to step out in faith over and over and over again. And we will do it because he's faithful. And you're a big part of that. God brought so many of you people literally here this morning. It's not an unintentional reason that you're here. It's because God brought you here and he's got a plan for you and a a role for you in his kingdom. Will you step out in faith with us? I love what First Thessalonians, what Paul writes in First Thessalonians. He says, he who calls you is what? He was faithful. He will surely do it, right? It's right in the text, 1023. Let, him, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is what? Faithful. Yeah, we're the one to call it, step out and take obedience, but our, our confidence, our hope is not in us. It's in who? It's in him. The God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The God that moves mountains, tears down walls, spreads the water. It's calling you to life. And can I tell you, and I look at my wife and I'm humbled by the reality that she's been on this journey every step of the way and the sacrifices that she has made, you have no idea, and that our kids make, but it's worth it all. I could go, Pastor Andrew's journey, the journey of all, Nate and Stephanie, like all of your journeys. He's worth it, isn't he? He's worth it. But he will reveal and he will ask us to surrender or he will take those things that we think that we value most of all to reveal to us the greatest treasure of him, himself. Hold fast to that promise. He's faithful. The second conviction from this text is this, I will invest my life to accomplish the purposes of God. 11.2 says this, by faith we understand that the universe, I'm sorry, for for by it the people of old received their commendation. Now the writer of this is not an ageist, Okay, um, he's talking about the people in the Old Testament. Faith is not about what we think we can't do. It's all about trusting and acting on the reality of what we know God can do. So where are you hesitating to obey or where are you flat out disobeying because you think you can't do it? Jesus is the one who changes hearts. He's the one who provides the resources We are his conduit. Will you make yourself available to God? Because when we we give God our availability, he gives us his ability. So by it, in verse 2, by it, it's referring to faith. 
The word commendation here in the text in verse 2 is the word martyrio. It's related to the word martis, which we've looked at before in the Revelation series. It means to, to bear witness, to give testimony. So what this verse is saying is really powerful and profound is that by faith, is that for the people of old, the Old Testament, as they lived their lives of faith, they received then a commendation from God, who God looked at them and said, well done, good and faithful servants. Isn't that awesome? May that be the message to our hearts as well one day. Because they showed belief in God genuinely and because they followed and obeyed God obediently in the copious amounts of difficult circumstances and grave situations that they faced. And you are facing amazing challenges. But man, the stories in this text are meant to inspire us because they're meant to point us to the one who is control over us and the one who has sent us and already purchased our victory on the cross for us. But these Old Testament saints, they went when they had no details. Go. Go where? I'm not telling you. Just pick up and go. Um, um, I would struggle with that. You? Go face your past. You're a wanted man. You killed someone. You don't know what they're going to do when you get back to there. I, no, I'm not going. I can't speak. I have all the excuses, the rational adjacent, the justice. I'm looking at God in a burning bush and telling God to his face, no, you can't. And he said, go, because the great I am is with you. There's a wall of water in front of me. There's a great wall around a city facing me. I can't. And God's like, you're right, you can't, but I can. That's the point. Trust me. Act out in faith before me. And you're like, Pastor Dan, many, many people refer to Hebrews 11 as what? The faith, what? Hall of Fame. And you're like, these are great saints. I could never, I could never be them. Did you know, like, I can't even make the major leagues, let alone the Hall of Fame, let alone the minor leagues. I can't even be successful at little league faith, right? <laughs> Did you know that in professional baseball, you, you can fail seven out of 10 times and still be considered a Hall of Famer? Praise God, right? But here's the point. It's not about you. It's all about God. Because while you look at the highlights here, the stories behind the story is you have a man in this text that said, I'm the least of the least clan. I, God, you can't, angel, you, you can't use me, Gideon said. You must have the wrong address. And God's like, nope, I'm calling you. He called a murderer. He called a prostitute. He called a liar, a deceiver. He called a woman that said, God, you gave me a promise and a husband that said, you promised you would build this nation through me, but I am too old to have a child. I'm going to take it into my own hands. And God said, I still have grace for you. And maybe you're trying to take God's will into your hands today, the power of a second decision. Repent and turn right now. God isn't defined by our past. God doesn't define us by our past failures. He defines us by our present faith. God's grace is sufficient to cover your greatest failure. There's a, a guy that got really, really drunk in this text. God still loved him, saved him, redeemed him, forgave him, and he can do that for you too. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Will you turn and repent today? Will you live faithfully and offer your, living, your lives, as Romans 12, 1 says, as a living sacrifice to God out of a spiritual heart of worship for who God is to you? 
And you're like, what does it look like as I will invest my life to accomplish the purpose of God? There are many, many purposes, but there's a specific purpose that I love here that, that the author outlines in 10, 24, and 25. So look back at 10, 24, and 25. God has sent us on a mission to do what? Make disciples and to build his church. That's our theme for this year. Build your church, God. It's the cry of our hearts. And look at 10, 24, and 25. He defines how he's calling us to be faithful in accomplishing his purpose of building his church. Let us consider how to what? Stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day. He's talking about building your church. My purpose is to invest your life to build my church, the author is saying. Will you invest your life? Some of you are like, this is my first time here. Invest your life. Come to step one. We'd love to share with you more about what God is doing here. Some of you are like, I come here off and on. Don't neglect meeting together. Stop doing other things and come to church. Go to small group. Stop. Don't neglect meeting together. Stir one another up to love and good works. When you, you have a role to play to encourage each other, to exhort each other, to get in and open up our lives and be real with each other, to love one another where you are, come as you are. There's no judgment here. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Come as you are, be loved where you are, and be changed by the grace of God. Are you investing your life to build the church of God as the author describes it in verses 24 and 25 of chapter 10. We choose to love when it's hard. We're going to say goodbye to some very, very dear people to my heart today, and that's hard. It hurts. Grief is part of love, and if it doesn't hurt, we're doing it wrong. But we need to keep loving because people need the Lord, and we need to keep growing, and if love says the hard things. Love gives our best. Love doesn't hold back. Love empties the tank to accomplish the work of God, right? It says it, good works. Love serves at the pop-up pantry. Love gives our resources. Love goes, and love prays. Don't be the ones that have shrunk back and had gotten into the habit of neglecting to meet together, because that will negatively impact your walk with the Lord. But encourage one another. Who needs encouragement? I need encouragement. Here's a challenge. Encourage one person a day in a very specific, practical way this week. Via text, via a card, via get them a gift card, take them to lunch. I don't know what it is. But give it specifically to build up the church by encouraging one another. And watch what God will do. All the more as you see the day draw near. The day is talking about judgment day. And can I be very, very real with you? Verse 2 of chapter 11 says, you will receive the commendation of God if you live by faith. When you encounter Jesus Christ and he judges you, there are two options for you. He will give you a commendation where it says, well done, good and faithful servant, or he will sentence you to condemnation because you do not have faith in Jesus Christ. There's no middle ground. There's no, I'll decide later. And hell is a very real and long place, long time to choose not to put your faith in the Lord. So today, will you repent? Will you turn? Will you choose to live by faith? Because the third conviction that we have is this, is that I will live to please God by wholeheartedly seeking God. Remember, a surrendered life is committed to faithfully stepping out in faith for God. 
verse 3 and verse 6 of chapter 11, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then verse 6, it says, and without faith it is what? Impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Seek him. Seeking is action. It's active. It's not passive. It's active. It's taking a step of faith to seek the Lord. In my questions, I seek the Lord. In my worry, in my anger, in my grief, I choose to what? Seek the Lord because the desire of my heart is to do what? To please the Lord. Not to please man, but to please the Lord. That's the fruit of a life of faith. And you're like, how do we... How do we understand this? How do I, I can't see it, but you have to trust it. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by what? The word of God. The word of God is what breathes life into dead things. The word of God brings life ex nihilo out of nothing. So in those dead places, those dark places in your heart and life, the word of God can and will breathe life into it right now. Praise God, amen. So are you turning in faith to the word of God for your direction and your hope? Or are you turning to the word of the world or the word of yourself? Because that will just lead you to destruction. The word of God breathes life. It illuminates Psalm 119. It's the light into my feet, the lamp into my path. Like it just tells me what to do next. It doesn't give you the whole picture. You put a headlamp on, you can't see the whole forest, but what can you see? The next step. And then what can you see after that? The next step. Don't worry about the 30-day plan, the 50-day plan, the five-year plan. Worry, God, what do you want me to do right here, right now? And do the next right biblical thing, even when it's hard, even when it costs you something. Because you might be like, it costs me something. I don't know if I can afford the cost. Now, faith is in who? Jesus. Where's your focus? On God's, the cost to you or God's calling on you? The cost to you or the cost that Jesus paid for you. Discipleship is picking up our cross, is it not? Our cross. We die to luxury. We die to the pursuits of the corner office. If that happens, great, but it's not the ultimate pursuit. What is the ultimate pursuit? Seeking God to please God. Heart of worship. Because go back to chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let's draw near to who? To God with a true heart. Let's draw near out of a remembrance that Jesus is the one who made a way for you. Friends, what are you pursuing today? Who are you living to please? Be really real. Are you living to please yourself? Or are you living to please our Savior? Because when you're living to please your Savior, everything is on the table. Let's get radical. What would it look like for you to offer your life as a blank check to God today? Your housing, your location, your job, your finances, in a heart posture of surrender to go, Jesus, it's all on the table because my desire, forgive me for desiring to please myself. Today, I repent of that. And today I turn to you. Repentance is changing 
of a mind and a heart that turning from the sin, turning to your Savior, God's grace is sufficient. Jesus, you can have it all. Starting with my heart, and maybe some of us need to make the decision to put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior today. It's the most important decision you can make. But then to live it out. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 talks about the reality. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, but we are saved to do the work that God has given us. Now, faith is only as strong as its object. You are all a people of faith. Did you know that? You're a person of faith. You know how I know that? Anybody think twice about the chair that you sat down in right now? Will it hold me up? Nope. You just plopped on right in. You put faith in what? The chair. You put faith in the manufacturer of the chair. You don't even know the manufacturer of the chair, right? You put faith, your whole body weight, into an inanimate object made by somebody you don't know. Now God is saying, I am somebody that you do know. Will you offer me? Will you put your whole body weight, your soul, your mind, your finances, your family, your money, wait on me? I purchased your victory on the cross. You can trust me. The one who promised is what? Faithful. So why are we so quick to trust an inanimate object that who we don't know who made it with our whole body, yet we refuse at various times to trust Jesus Christ with a portion of our life, let alone our whole life. Where do you need to trust him? Where do you need to start with a heart that desires to please God out of a heart of worship to God and a desire to seek God? He loves you, he sees you, and he knows you. Would you shut your eyes for me right now? And if you feel comfortable, would you just extend your hands out right in front of you? You're not lifting up, just out at a posture of an openness. And you don't have to if it's too weird for you, I get that. But it's a physical representation of a heart posture of surrender. And Rebecca's going to continue to play for a few moments. And I want to challenge you to open your heart right now and lay it all on the table before God. And ask him what he wants you to do for a next step of faith. And there are going to be a myriad of answers from the myriads of people in la- online and in this room. It might impact your finances. It might impact your future. It might impact your family. But it's all out of faith. Maybe you need to start with a heart of repentance. And the conviction comes from the Holy Spirit that says, I have been really selfish and self-seeking here. And I need to surrender that and lean on the grace of God. The reality that Jesus made a way for me, he purchased a salvation for me, he loves me and he cares for me. And then ask God to reveal to you that area that he wants you to take a step of faith in. Maybe it's a gospel conversation with a neighbor. Maybe it's beginning to tithe and give financially to the church. Maybe it's a commitment to God's people, the church. I don't know what it is, serving on a ministry team, joining a small group, I don't know. Maybe it's really big, maybe it's small, but it's something. So we just open your hearts and say, God, speak.
Jesus, we come before you this morning, broken, fallible, fallen people in desperate need of a Savior. We come confidently, as the text told us that we can and we should. And we draw back to the earlier words of the author of Hebrews in chapter four that says, we can approach the throne room of grace and mercy because you made a way when we need it. And God, we need your grace and we need your mercy. We are a messy people in desperate need of your mercy. But God, into our mess, you came as our Messiah, Jesus Christ. You made a way where there previously was no way and the, the same God that are the saints of the Old Testament serve is the same God that is faithful today. That in every circumstance, in every obstacle, in every adversity, in every difficulty, you are faithful. And we come to you in repentance for seeking ourselves, for seeking pleasure in the world, for anchoring our hope in the words of man. And God, refresh and renew and restore us again. Guide us, lead us, strengthen us, and give us the heart, Holy Spirit, to follow you wherever you lead us. Take the governor off, God. We want to do great things for you. But more than that, we want you to do a great thing in us. Renew us. Redeem us. Help us to trust again. Jesus, we love you. And give us the confidence to not shrink back, but to step out because you are faithful and you are good. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.